G'day. It's Dave Lupton from Flaming Wreckage here. You might have heard me having a good old chat with Andy in episode 284. If you enjoyed that chat and thrash or death metal's your bag, then I reckon you'll dig the new Flaming Wreckage album, Cathedral of Bones. You can get your fix of riffs on your preferred streaming platform, or if you want to support us even more, head to flamingwreckage.com shop and pick up the album and a bit of merch while you're at it. Cheers for listening. Over to you, Andy. Hey, welcome back to the Andy Social Podcast, episode 298. And my guest on this episode is Costa Papasaglou. And uh, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a master at pronouncing people's names. So there you go, Costa Papasaglou. And Costa, I've known for so many years, uh, is the guitarist in I Fear, one of uh, our more iconic melodic metal bands, power metal bands, progressive metal bands that have come out of this country over the years. They've been around for so long, since 1994, uh, you know, getting closer to 30 years uh, out there. And it's always refreshing to talk to somebody that's been a part of like the Australian metal scene and just a part of like the metal scene in general and just being able to reflect back and get their perspective on uh, on what it's like just playing in a band for so long and just to see so many different people come and go, the different chapters, and also just to, to get a bit of insight on a band that. You know, it's been a while between releases and we talk about all this sort of stuff in this chat. I mean, Costa's an absolute legend. He's one of the nicest guys out there in in metal and Australian metal. And I'm really, really excited to see uh, what the guys have in store uh, with the next iFear release, which is coming very, very soon. So I'm going to have links in the show notes, of course, over at andysocial.net and andydowling.net and in the description of wherever you're listening to this through right now. Go and, f- go and follow Costa on the socials. Go and follow iFear on the socials. I'll put Spotify links, YouTube links, all that sort of stuff so you can listen to them. But uh, enough crapping on from me. Please enjoy this great chat with Costa Papazoglou. Mate, it's unbelievable. I was actually supposed to start recording um, some guitars last night. Oh. And then all of a sudden, this, so we've been holding off like we were supposed to do all this shit last year. Yeah. yeah. And, um, well, so with all the COVID thing that sort of happened, we said, well, oh, bugger this, you know, who knows what's going to happen. We just let it all go. Oh, we're still doing stuff, but obviously we weren't able to catch up. And, um, yeah, then we started getting things back on track and, I was, I was actually going to start recording some guitars last night and then pulled a pin again for a week. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, you guys, you guys aren't the fastest moving band in the world for a whole range of different reasons, but um, I, think, I think sort of, you know, the last 12 months and sort of getting to this point now, it must be just so painful because I think from what I can recall, I saw you guys play, it was down your way, and it must have been like 2019 or something, like August 2019, and I was in town. I quickly stopped by, and I think I saw you guys play. Oh, with the Eternal. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember just having a quick chat, and and obviously like you know Ricardo's on stage singing with you guys as well. It sounds great. And I think it was just sort of on the on the verge of like you guys really getting some momentum in place and really sort of kicking into like, hey, we're gonna have a big big year next year. Lots of stuff yeah. going on, and obviously, poof, <laughs> it's just not happening. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. That was supposed to be like our last show. Um, and we only really did it because the guys from Eternal like really wanted us to play and asked us and we thought, okay, okay, we'll, you know, we'll do a cool venue. We never played with the guys before. I've known Mark for a very, very long time. Hmm. And I was like, okay, let, you know, let's do it. And then we'll get stuck into, the, you know, finishing off the songs and recording. And then, you know, we sort of started finishing off the songs. 
um, and got everything up to where we wanted to get it. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the old COVID hit last year and so no more. Oh, man, man, it's just, uh, and, we, and it's, it's frustrating now because we're like, it feels like we're so close to just getting back to normal and then just something happens and we just get thrown back again. It's like, oh, mate, like hell, like it, even for us and, and our band, we are like umming and ahhing a while ago about, you know, do we do we try and do some shows later in the year, like tail end of this year? And then, you know, as these little outbreaks happen around the country, it sort of just continues to sort of solidify the fact that what, we're not doing anything this year apart from, you know, we'll put some music out where we can, but we're not going to yeah. get out and play shows. There's just no point because I, I'm watching mates just cancelling or postponing shows left, right and centre. It's just like, oh, man, it's, it's hard to put on a show and it actually goes ahead, let alone having to deal with the, the postponement and all that yeah, other rubbish. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's um like we really wanted to um do Stormrider. Oh in, yeah. You know, in WA. Um, but it was you know, it's not even worth considering because you just don't know what and you know, flights that good old Perth aren't cheap. So <laughs> the last thing you want to be doing is organizing stuff like that. And then, you know, you or you're stuck over there or whatever. It's like so you don't even consider these stuff anymore. And it's a shame because, you know, this thing's just bloody dead. Yeah. I mean, people obviously dying from music, but um, you know, uh, we sort of looked at it in the way where it was like, okay, well, what's the point of releasing something if you can't sort of do any shows to promote it a bit? You know what I mean? So we just, yeah, we just, <laughs> we just put a halt to everything. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, and, I, and it's it's been interesting, sort of talking to a lot of other other mates, you know, in bands and and getting everyone's perspective on it. And I think it's it's sort of calmed a lot of the those mu- those musos that we both know who are always, like, panicking to try and do something really quickly, try and get music out, try and tour, and it's this really competitive sort of thing. And I think that's forced those people to slow down and realise that, you know, what we do, what we enjoy doing, it's it's the long game. It's part of our lives. And if it takes you a year or it takes you five years or ten years or whatever it is, I mean, it, it just doesn't matter because, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you're ultimately it's part of your life and, and it'll it'll come when it comes. So I think it sort of yeah, right. sent, that, sent a good message to some of those guys. But I think the rest of us who are used to working at a slower pace anyway, it's sort of like, oh, it, it's better when we've got control over that pace, not when someone's <laughs> slowing it down for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, well looking back at our last oh, eight years or so, I mean, so many things have happened and that have affected what we, we've been able to do. Um, whether we wanted to move quick or not, really, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do it anyway. So, yeah. um, you know, it's been a bit of a grind, but, I mean, that's sort of been part of idea, I guess, over the years. I mean, we celebrated 25 years of our first album uh, back in 96, oh, mm. and it took us eight years after that to finally release um, Nine Elements, which was our first, you know, CD to be signed, and we had management, and we had it all happening. So... You know, just things happen, unfortunately, and just time flies. I mean, you don't even – you know what it's like as well, being in a band for so long. Like, you plan for something and it's like, okay, let's do this in, like, say, you know, the next 12 to 18 months and this happens, there goes another six months, that happens. There goes, and just things just – it's amazing how quick time flies. No, oh, it's, it's, it's crazy because I've always been – or I keep thinking that I'm always the young guy in – in like the metal scene in Australia, where I go out to go out to gigs, everyone's older than me, and now I'm starting to to come into that next sort of uh, bracket of of guys that have been around the traps for a little while longer, and you have got these new guys coming through, and it's just 
it's insane to see how quickly time's passed. I mean, I think you yeah. know, one of the last times we played together was down your way as well. And I think that was like, that would have to be close to 10 years ago now. It's just, it's just ridiculous how, how long, oh, it's probably hasn't been that long, but it's getting like seven odd years uh, since, since we played a gig and at least in Melbourne. So it's just weird yeah, I'm to sure see. I think, when was the last time we played? Uh, it might have been. Um, I think I, it was probably um, down your way. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know where the last gig was. I just remember playing a show with you guys, and I think it might have been. Uh, it was. A, it was a. It wasn't the East Brunswick. It was. Um, I can't remember. I can't really remember now. They're all. They've all melted into one now. So a question. I think a good place to sort of you know, create a foundation with, with this chat is like you mentioned before, like in 1996, you guys put out the first release and yeah. I think you guys had already been around for a couple of years at that point, as far as, you know, putting the band together and getting it started. What, yeah. what the hell was the metal scene like in, in Melbourne specifically, or even just in Australia at that time? And I mean, you know, I, I was listening to tracks from that first release and it's, it's got, a, it's got a bit of power metal in there, but it's very sort of progressive as well. Yeah. What, what was it like? Because no doubt there wasn't a lot of sort of melodic metal bands sort of ha happening around that time. I mean, what was what was it like when you guys were putting it out? Um, yeah, look, it was a little bit different. I mean, um, the Melbourne scene, especially back then, there was a band, I'm not sure if you remember them, called Hyperion. Yeah, I do. Um, amazing, amazing band. They were, you know, um, probably the – let's say, the sort of premier sort of, you know, power metal sort of, let's say, sort of melodic band um, at the time. But the Melbourne scene was mainly dominated from death, death metal and sort of thrash metal sort of mm. band. You know what I mean? We had, you know, there was heaps of thrash metal bands and stuff, heaps of venues to play at. Um, so, yeah, I mean, our sort of release was a little bit left field and we were really, really young, obviously, back then. You know, really raw and um, yeah, it just it just so happened. I mean, the band sort of formed in '94, and it took a couple of years to get it all together. But we hit the studio basically after the band was formed. We hit the studio basically like six months. It took us like a year to sort of get it all done. Um, obviously, back then, you know, there was no uh, Pro Tools and all that sort no. of stuff, so quite time consuming. Um, you know, and obviously being young, very inexperienced, we were sort of you know guided through with it and it took a while but you know we got it all done and we're really happy with the release and um things really like we're looking really really up but uh unfortunately about a year down the track when we started planning to record like a three-track demo to send out to some of the labels that were wanting some extra stuff to see where the next stage of the band was heading mm. that's when we had lost our singer and yeah we we're back to square one <laughs> and so begins the journey <laughs> yeah, well, 96 to 2004, I think, uh, well, we had uh, Jim from Hyperion then joined us. Mm. We were quite close friends, so he was the obvious choice. And we had him in the band for about a year and a half. But things didn't quite work out. He didn't want to sort of do that sort of stuff anymore, and that was fair enough. And then there was a stage where we were just it was just myself, the drummer and the bass player, just rehearsing away. Uh, writing stuff, and then in 2001, Danny came along. Mm. So, and it took us, you know, X amount of time to get him up to date. And 
we went in, recorded the album, and yeah, it got released. I mean, that was all recorded back in 2003, but you know, it's like by the time you muck around with all the labels and stuff, and it didn't get released till 2004. Yeah, yeah. It's um one of the questions I was going to ask you, and it's probably a good good place to to ask it is, you know having and now you got Ricardo in the band as well so you've you've gone through these different chapters of the band where you know traditionally that that singer that front person is like the face of the band and and that's distinctive you know the vocal and all that sort of stuff and obviously there's a lot of great examples of really famous bands that have managed to successfully transition from one singer to another but for you guys to go through that so many times over over the career, and obviously Danny was there probably the longest. Um, you know, yeah, that, that sort of solidified a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of the releases that you guys put out. But I mean, what was it like for you personally to have to sort of mentally adjust to knowing that you've got to you've got to get a new front person in to sort of take it on board? And obviously they've got to bring in their own personality. They've got to sing the songs. They've got to have the conviction. I mean, was this was this just a massive mental hurdle every single time? Uh, not really, because when Jason, uh, we parted ways with Jason on that first original release in 96, Edge of Existence, um, I was already really, really good mates with Jim. So he was the obvious choice because Hyperion had broken up mm. um, and he was doing absolutely nothing at the time, Jim, and obviously being mates, we were talking. So he was the obvious choice straight away. But the thing was, after about 12 months, we sort of realised, well, both of us, like, you could tell he sort of didn't want to go down that path. He he wanted something different. He didn't want to do the power metal thing anymore. So, you know, we parted ways and um, then I had had a chat with, um, I don't know if you remember back then, uh, Chris from VP, guitarist from VP, was in a band called Mind State. Yes, I do. Now, Alex is another, his vo- the vocalist in that band was another close friend of mine. And they had disbanded as well. So I actually had chats with him as well. But again, he was another one that didn't want to go down that path. So it took a bit of time after Jim, obviously, like I said, I think it took about three years and we got in touch with Danny. And yeah, I mean, the writing really, we've never really written music to suit a vocalist. If, if that sounds sort of – if that sort of makes sense. Like a lot of bands, you know, write, well, well, this is our vocalist, so we've got to sort of write in this sort of way, if you know what I mean, to mm. suit. But because we've always had vocalists come in later, the music was always written. So it wasn't really that, that difficult. It was actually quite easy. Whereas now that we're on the subject about Ricardo, it's been a bit different with him because there was only two or three – tunes that were finished before he joined, like new tunes that I had written and completed. And all the stuff that we've finished now has basically been me and him adding, you know, 50-50. So it's been really good in that way because it's opened new doors. He's a really, really good songwriter, uh, awesome guitarist. So his ideas and mine just simply work really, really well. So... Yeah, that must going be- back to the original question, it's never been a mental block. It's been quite easy. <laughs> We're lucky. It's nice. It's it's refreshing in a way because I think yeah, stereotypically, uh, you know, bands put so much emphasis on that on that front guy, and and obviously you know it it would be the same for you guys when you're together as a unit and performing and all that sort of stuff. But you know, the mechanics behind the band, it's it's a case of well, the band sort of continues to write, but not be dictated or be uh, held down by one particular personality. It's, it's I guess, the songwriting is bigger than any individual in the band. 
yeah, that's that's sort of the way we've approached it. So yeah, we've had, we've had, we've never had that really had that issue. So um, it's been it's been good in that way. And like I said, with with Rick, it was such a smooth transition. It was it's just you know, it's like he's been in the band for you know since '96. It really is because he's quite a versatile vocalist as well. Mm. Like he can you know he he can uh, sing all the old stuff and obviously you know with the new stuff while it was written with him so but very very versatile guy can sing a whole heap of styles he's not sort of um stuck in sort of uh let's say he's a real power metal singer where he can sing the ballad stuff he can sing the angry stuff he's really really good like that so it's been um uh very uh inspiring let's say must be a weight off your shoulders to not have to because i assume that in the past like you know, you would obviously have contributions from other people along the way, but you know, this is this has been your baby. I mean, you know, between between you know yourself and Zane, like I think Zane's been there since day dot as well. Um, yeah. You know, this is this is your baby from from uh, from right at the beginning. So to have sort of Rick come in and and sort of really sort of be a heavy contributor to to what you guys do. I mean, that must be just weight off your shoulders, big time. Uh yeah, definitely. It's not it's not just it's not just that like with the help wise and stuff like that. He's um. The, the way he's made it easy is, is the fact that his writing, like, sort of sits well with mine. So, I mean, I can't give you any examples now, like, because we haven't released it yet. But, you know, if we ever have a chat about the new CD, I can sort of explain to you, well, this song here, this is, I had, you know, three quarters of it written and he's come along and added this riff in and it's just fitted in like a glove and just changed the whole thing, the whole dynamic of the track. So... That's where it's been really, really good and inspiring for me because I've never, I've never been the sort of person where I won't take in somebody else's ideas. If it's going to work, then you'd be silly not to let it work. If you know what I mean. So he's been really, really good like that. I guess it's all for the, you know, for the greater, greater good of the song itself. Like the, it, it's exactly, it, yeah, it's exactly. bigger than bigger than all of you guys. Yeah. So you know, I've never been one of those guys where oh, no, I'm going to write the whole album and you know. Uh, I don't want anybody else's stuff. I mean, like I said, when, when something works and it sounds really, really good, and and not only that, it, it's inspired me as well because he's shown me stuff um, that he's done sort of with his other band as well, how, you know, it opens different doors and you think a little bit different too. So it's been good because when you write, and I mean, you could probably speak to Tim about this, when you've been writing songs for so long, you sort of have your own little formula, if you know what I mean. Yeah. When somebody comes along and says, oh, why don't you try this, something that you normally wouldn't try and it works, it sort of opens different doors. So it's been good. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, um, going back to what you said before about so what Melbourne was like in the mid-90s with you guys getting started and putting that first release out, was it a case where similar to, I guess, what was happening with, with Dungeon and even even Lord when, when we sort of changed over – um, yep. Were you guys doing a lot of like mixed bill shows where you were playing with a lot of death metal and thrash metal bands just because there wasn't enough sort of power metal bands to go around to keep doing gigs? Because you mentioned there's heaps of venues around at the time. Were you doing like really odd bills of, of mixed mixed genres? Uh, yeah, occasionally we were because it was only really ourselves and Mindscape at the time, which was Chris B's mm. uh, old band. Um, so we used to play quite a fair bit together. So we would do a launch, that'd be our support. They'd do a launch, we'd be their support. <laughs> but there's only so many gigs we could do together. So occasionally, yeah, we would play. We'd play at a place, well, you know, the old hi-fi in the city yeah, or Wall Street, whatever you want to call it. Uh, back back in the day, it used to be called the Hell Club, which was a heavy metal nightclub here every Saturday night. Um, 
and that would have quite a diverse lineup. So it'd be us and might be like with a death metal band and maybe a thrash metal band. So yeah, it was quite diverse tonight, which was good because people used to dig it. Not only that, you play the different faces, if you know what I mean. So, you know, I'm pretty open minded with my metal. I listen to all sorts of stuff. So just because someone's usually goes there to let's say they were going there to watch the death metal band, didn't mean that they wouldn't like Ice here, for example. So it was good. Yeah, I've always Always uh, preached about that over the years. It's, I mean, some of the best gigs that we've played have been have been sort of mixed bills with a with an eclectic bunch of bands getting together. And I think in the end, a lot of a lot of metal fans just love to have a drink and be at a be at a show. And you know, whether they're up the front or standing up the back or whatever, I think that they appreciate just being there. And and it's it's amazing to see you know what you can discover. Like I've I've certainly done that. I've rocked right. up to a show and just been there for one or two bands and then you end up discovering something really new that you didn't expect to enjoy and and there you yeah. go. Yeah, we've, I mean, I remember a lot of our uh, CD launches back in the day, we used to have quite diverse lineups. We, did, we used to get like, you know, have three power metal bands on the night because it was probably a bit too much, to be honest. I yeah. mean, you know, it was so I remember one specific one we did that the ESPY, um, which was the uh, A World Full of Grey CD launch. Hmm. And we had a quite a diverse, and people loved it. They were like, oh, okay, I've never seen these guys before. And it was really, really good. Huge night. And I think that's, that's probably why festivals work the way they do as well. I mean, what's the point of having, you know, at a festival of 20 power metal bands? Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, diversity is a good thing. I mean, most people that listen to metal these days don't sort of listen to one style, let's say. And I've never been one to sort of pigeonhole it all into one style. I mean, for me, metal's metal. Whether it's black metal, you know, power metal, heavy metal, I'll listen to it. If it's something I like, I'll listen to it. So, well, that's it. I always always say a good song's a good song, regardless. So, you know, and you can. I think especially when you you start to write and record music yourself, then I think you really start to appreciate the effort that bands have to put into their their craft depending no no matter what sort of genre they decide to pick up and play and so you can always sort of stand back and and really respect and admire what people are doing even if it's not your your initial go-to you know genre yep. of music you can sort of go oh that's that's actually really cool i like how they do that yep 100 percent, 100 percent agree with you i mean yeah because people yeah i mean <sighs> It's it's just one of those things for me. For me, when I look at metal, I look at it as a whole. I don't sort of look at it as like subgenres, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, because like I said just just before, I, I like all sorts of stuff. So, and there'll be stuff genres that I'm not quite into, but there's always something that you'll probably hear and actually give you an idea. Oh, that's pretty cool. I could probably incorporate that. You know, some sort of idea like that. So, that's why I like to keep an open mind with it as well. Oh, as a songwriting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even yeah, pulling stuff from the weirdest of places, like the and and if you you know you listen to a song, like you know you listen to an Ife song or a Lord song or whatever, and you might not actually immediately pick up where where it's come from, but it, it'll come from the most random of places. I mean, we we picked up stuff out of pop songs, it just yeah. sounds great, and uh, you you just you put it into your own machine, what you know, make it sound like you guys and comes yep. out the other I, side and sounds like a, a metal riff or a metal, you know, arrangement or whatever it is. Yep. Yeah, totally agree with you, dude. Totally agree. So uh, I said before about uh, Zane being in the band with yourself uh, since day dot, I think one of the things that I really admire with bands is just the longevity that, you know, bands make a decision just to just to play the long game. And, like, I mean, we're, we're certainly a band like this where we've had so many people come and go over the years 
and yeah. you just continue to sort of see the you just see the future you see sort of long term down the track and you don't sort of panic too much you just keep keep uh, plotting along but i mean what's what's kept the two of you guys together i mean you know that's a that's a bloody long time you mentioned 25 years ago the you know a couple of years ago so i think you're up to about 27 odd odd years now that's a long time to be playing in a band with anybody i mean what's what's kept you and zane together i don't know well to be honest zane and i have been in bands since probably we were 16 years old we yeah, were in well. like uh, you know, back at school, we're in a, a thrash metal band with um, another mate on guitars. I was actually playing bass at the time, um, and Zane was on drums, obviously. And we had uh, Michael Carlisle, the one of the uh, original guitars from Mortification. Oh, right, yeah, yep. He was playing guitars and singing, and we had uh, another close mate. He was playing guitars. So that, that started. I think that band was called Betrayer or something back in the day, <laughs> something like that. Um, and we were 16 at the time, and then we started uh, a band together called Anthonath. You might have heard a little mm, bit of maybe. We played a few shows back in the day. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, then the singer, because he had the name, let's say, the Anthonath, uh, we parted ways with him, and that's how we started off here. So, yeah, me and Zane have got like a 30-year-plus history together of playing your band. <laughs> So what 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 is it? I mean, obviously you don't you don't think about these things too often. It's sort of just a natural thing. But sort of if you reflect back, I mean, what's what's kept you guys on the on the same path together after so many years? Because no doubt at times when you have people come and go, I mean, it, although you're sort of you're continuing to write and and be creative, it it must be frustrating at times. I mean, what's what do you what do you think that's sort of kept you both relatively sane and and on the same path? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I mean. I guess over the years, uh, it's funny because, like, when I write a riff, for example, I already know what he's going to play. <laughs> I know he's – so I'll program a drum riff in, for example, for a demo for him, and it's basically what I know what he's going to play. So I think it's just that connection. We just have that understanding of what we need from each other. So if I come up with a riff, he usually knows what I, what I want played and vice versa. So, yeah, it's just – it's just one of those things. I mean, we just we just know each other's playing so well. So we've just connected and, and we've been lucky in that way because um, it's just made things easier, obviously. Uh, and, yeah, hard to explain, but it's, it's, it's that connection, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's a weird question because, obviously, like I think with a lot of friendships that you build with people and relationships, you don't – you don't overthink those things. You don't try and analyze the why behind it. It just happens, and that's that's that yeah. that's that natural sort of thing that uh, that comes into play. But it's uh, it's I find it fascinating because yeah, there are so many bands that just you know once the dynamic changes the first time or the first couple of times that the band as a whole just fizzles out and one guy will go off on their own and and start a whole new chapter with a new band or whatever it might be. But um, like I, I like I like the idea of you, the both of you guys sitting down, you know, with a drink in a dark room and just sort of after after a lineup change or something, just going, like we're still on track. You know, you know, I fear in twenty thirty, it's still gonna like we're no matter how how long it takes, we're gonna keep like keep putting out albums. We're just gonna keep going. You know, I, I love the idea of something like that. Yeah, happening. yeah. look, we've never been a band. To be honest with you, I don't look towards sort of next year. It's and that's I think that's probably what's kept the band going for so long. So, Because for me, if I was to say, oh, you know, I'll probably give it away in five years or whatever, I mean, because you just don't know what's going to happen down the track, yeah? So yeah. I'd probably take 
an album at a time. So when, like, for example, this album, like if people ask me, oh, you know, how much longer are you going to do it? Oh, you've been doing it for so long. Well, like, well, this could be my last album. I don't know. You know mm. what I mean? So I, I take one album at a time. And I think that's why we've lasted as long as what we have. And even when, you know, some pretty important members have left in the past or, you know, we've, we've parted ways, the band's always sort of stayed strong and there's never been a real panic. So, because like you just said before, when members leave, you know, sort of rocks the ship and, oh, how are you going to replace him and how are you going to do that? We've never we've never panicked. That's the, that's the funny part. It's never been, oh, shit. Like, for example, let's say Sammy, the uh, original keyboard player, who mm. we had for a few you know, a big part of the band. We were writing songs together, recording all the stuff together. You know, I thought when he left, um, you know, it was going to be hard. But you know what? You move on. You find someone else. Things always work out. So we've never had that panic. So, and that's probably what's kept the band going for as long as what it has. I mean, I certainly thought when when Danny left. I mean, Danny was there, you know. And obviously, Danny has his own persona and and his reputation that he's had from from other bands as well over the years. Yeah. Um, when he left, I remember thinking, going, "Oh shit!" Like, you know, that's such a a big thing for for I fear at, at least the perception was. And yep. and how to how does a band sort of not so much recover but to keep going and to keep looking forward and, and keep keep moving and finding, you know, the ways to fill fill that gap. And I think just yep. the way you explained it is it's it's I mean it's so logical. It makes sense. It's almost like every it's every little project. It's a, it's a, like the album's a project and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel because you know, it's an album, so you, you write, you record, and you put it out, and then and then after that, who knows? But that's that's what's front of mind at the moment. So when you when you you lose someone from the band or someone you know parts ways, you you I guess you're just thinking sort of very short term and just just going, okay, well, what's the next thing we've got to do rather than panicking about uh, yeah, yeah that's that five right. year plan or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and it's always been like that. Yeah. So when we parted ways with you know with Danny, I mean. I, I, I could feel like from, you know, from everyone that I'd spoken to, they were like, oh, what are you going to do and how are you going to replace him? And that, and basically what we did was, and we didn't even, dis, you know, we didn't even discuss it, to be honest with you. We just took a step back for a few months and just let it all settle down because, you know, obviously there was people calling what's going to happen and, then you know, the label at the time was asking questions and mm-hmm. it was like we just took a step back and said, you know, give it a little bit of time and, and we'll sort it out. And... Yeah, sure enough, it did. But look, at, at the time, it, it probably was a little bit of a shock because Danny had been around for quite some time. Obviously, mm. you know, we had quite a long history. Um, but you know, there was never panic stations, let's say, and all, well, there was always, you know, to come up with a uh, with a solution was actually quite easy. And there was we had a, quite a few options, to be honest with you, like. We were thinking about going down the international path, getting an international singer, because there was a couple of guys that I've been in touch with over the years, some really, really cool singers I always wanted to work with. Um, you know, we were going to go down that path, and then all of a sudden I caught up with Rick out of the blue, and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> so it's amazing how things work out sometimes. You know, it, it just fell into place. I didn't actually chase Rick, and neither he didn't chase me. We just got in touch, you know, just to say hello, and... The rest is history, like I said. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It certainly takes the pressure off when uh, you don't, you know, you don't have to sort of actively go out there and hunt and it's just sort of, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of those moments that you least expect. 
Yeah, yeah, look, definitely. I mean, going through the whole audition thing, I've, we've been lucky enough never to have to go through that because um, actually, no, that's that's a lie, actually. When we had – when Danny joined, just before Danny, we had another singer tryout. I won't say who he was because he's in another band. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's the only time we actually had another you know, a couple of singers coming to try out. Mm. Um, but apart from that, it's always been, okay, well, he's left. We've just got him and, you know, so forth. So it's been good. What's What's been, I think you sort of mentioned earlier in the chat about sort of the last eight or so years with the band and there's been a number of different things that have happened along the way that sort of, you know, sort of put the time frame out a bit. I mean, what, what I mean, I think the last album came out in 2012, I think, off the top of my head. I think the Inception of Darkness. Yeah, sure. right then, at the end of yeah, December 2012, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, what, what's been some of the things along the way that sort of, you know, led to, you know, close to a, you know, a 10-year gap in, in putting out an album? Is, there, is it just, um, just life? No, oh, yes and no. I mean, 2013 was quite a busy year for us because we had done, uh, early on 2013, we had done the Nightwish tour nationally, which was really cool. Um, then we had done a couple of, you know, really good-sized local shows. Then we had the Epica support, which mm. was in the middle of the year. Uh, then we'd done a couple more shows, uh, a couple of interstate shows as well. And then we had done the – what else? We had done another tour support that year. Oh, the Stradivarius shows as well. Ah. So 2013, like, even though we, we really wanted to knuckle down and get, you know, the next album started – it, the, that that year went by so quick because we'd never done that that many shows in a year. Um, that that year went by so quick; it just we didn't even realise. And then, uh, two thousand and thirteen. By that time, and then we had um, Danny had a few health issues, as a lot of people sort of already knew from our posts and stuff. Um, and we needed him; you know, he needed time to get himself better, and just time went by from there, really. And we didn't; we really couldn't do much. We we did the odd show here and there, just to, you know, sort of do something. But in hindsight, thinking about it now, we probably shouldn't have. Mm. Um, but yeah, like we probably lost a good four years dealing with all that sort of stuff, and that's what sort of led us to sort of part ways with Danny. And you know, he needed time to himself to get himself right and. We needed sort of time to move on, and yeah, then Rick joined the band, uh, two thousand and eighteen. Mm. So, yeah, We're already getting close to to three years now that he's been in the band, and uh, yeah, and I don't think I mean it was you know obviously you guys have been planning for for so long now to get uh, new music out there. I mean, I've, I've no doubt for him, he's probably just chomping at the bit himself to sort of really show people what. Uh, what he's capable of with, you know, in the context of IFE, because obviously he's proven himself in, in other bands over the years. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, when I saw you guys play in Melbourne, um, in 2019 and hearing him sing, sing these songs and it was just, it was just so refreshing. And, and he, the way he sings, he's got a particular style that I really enjoy as well. And it was yeah. just, uh, just a real nice blend, uh, with the worlds sort of coming together with with yourself and 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 the guys, and then obviously Rick coming in and, and bringing his uh, 
his fresh take on it. And um, and I just remember standing there watching, going, "This is really exciting! Like this is this is a really exciting you know moment for for you guys as far as what's going to be coming up ahead." And I think a lot of people are going to be really really surprised and and excited about uh, what eventually comes out. And I mean, obviously we're we're a little bit further down the track now <laughs> having a chat, but um, yeah. I mean, with with obviously you guys still putting you know final touches and and getting songs together for for a release. I mean, uh, to put you on the spot, I mean, what's what is the what is the, the kind of timelines that you're thinking about as far as what you want to do? I mean, you know, putting aside random lockdowns that sort of throw everything out of whack. <laughs> well. Like I said, he, he joined in 2018, and so the plan was basically um, I thought we thought the perfect way to introduce Rick was obviously to do a few shows. So we had done uh, we had done Perth. We had done Sydney as well. Obviously, we did a local show. Mm. Um, we did a couple of local shows, actually. And then, oh, we did Adelaide as well, Churches of Steel. We did we did quite a few shows, actually. That was sort of an introduction. And we actually played some newer stuff as well that no one had ever heard, you know, some of the stuff that we're going to be recording. So, um, and then obviously the whole COVID thing happened, which uh, basically wiped out a whole year. Mm. Um, but, yeah, look, recording-wise for us has never been – is once the songs are sort of down, then it doesn't take a song to record. So we're hoping to have something out by the end of the year, let's say. Cool, cool. That, that's our sort of – that's our aim. Well, I think hopefully that'll be good timing and, and hopefully, you know, things will start to sort of fall into place with uh, with all the COVID stuff and and yeah. we'll sort ourselves out and, and be able to travel a little bit more freely again without uh, stressing. I mean, I think that was a big thing with us. Like we were thinking about, well, we might be able to – get on a plane and, you know, go to go to Melbourne or go to Perth or Brisbane and play a show. But then if something happens while we're there, then we're either stuck there or, or we come home and have to lock, lock ourselves up for 14 days and yeah. and deal with that. I mean, that's that's if you can actually get there. Otherwise, you know, we're, we're still, you know, having to postpone shows and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully yeah. Um, if you're, yeah, if you're aiming for end of year, then hopefully that will sort of coincide with... Um, with some more confident sort of touring and, and being able to put on shows and get out there and actually be able to promote it and, and yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, things were really like, felt like things were back to normal here in Victoria for quite some time, actually. There was actually, you know, a few local shows happening and stuff, you know, limited numbers, but still good numbers, you know. The, I think some of the uh, venues had a capacity of 100 people, so, you know, that's always a good atmosphere in the, in the uh, you know, sort of semi-sort-of-sized sort of room, so... But yeah, unfortunately, we're back to square one. So <laughs> we'll hopefully, it'll be a week and not uh, you know a month or two or whatever. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed. Um, so with with obviously with yourself in the band for like you know twenty seven odd years and, and playing music for you know three decades, which is just crazy, just such a long long period of time. I mean, you know, you're, you're becoming an old fart yourself. <laughs> but, oh, I feel like that sometimes, you know, with, like, like you said before, actually, you're like you'll turn up to a gig and you look around and it's like, play around, there's so many young guys. <laughs> I, I I had the, the shock horror when I, I started like talking about things and I'd start to say, not specifically like back in my day, but I used to say like, you know, years ago we used to do this and then eventually I kept saying it, I go, hang on, I've turned into like one of the old guys who used to say that to me all the time when I was just coming into you know, into yeah. metal and to going to shows and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, the 
the the change of the change of post is happening, and uh, yeah, there's definitely a new wave of, of younger guys coming through now. But yeah, but- uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, like um, I can't remember which local show it was. Yeah, it's looking around, I was like, far out. I feel out of place. Here. <laughs> <laughs> all the, all anyway, the old guys stand at the back I mean, corner. Look- yeah, it's good. I mean, a lot of the guys from my sort of era when we first started are still hanging around, like I mentioned before, Chris and VP. You know, we all sort of still catch up and have a laugh and talk about the good old days and stuff. And it's good that, you know, these guys are like Vanishing Point still going and Black Majesty is still going. You guys are still going, you know. So we still have fun. And I think it's that. I think it's that. I mean, that's a really common thing that I see with, with a lot of, you know, you guys and. And us, where it's you know the band's part of your life. It's just it's just you know for, I'm no doubt for yourself when you when you see the word I fear. I mean that's just a you know it's just it it's it may as well be part of your name. You know it's it, yeah. you just, you're so used to it, and so it's not a yeah. case of just well you know it's a little bit of a fad. It's something that I'll just have a bit of fun with for a short space of time, then I'll move on from it and do something different. It's just well, it's just. It's just I fear. That's that's just part of my life, and so I think I think that's the same sort of commonality with with some of these bands that um, we just we're really not comfortable, but I think we're just really satisfied with being able to just continuously evolve what we've created and and just see what we can do next, but all, always sort of be consistent by by just r- keeping the band alive. Yeah, that's right. And you know, if you're still enjoying writing the, writing and playing music, I don't see age being you know, such a huge thing. So um, as long as you're getting enjoyment out of it, I, I don't see what the big deal is. So, and and the funny thing is, like, we've seen, because we've started so long ago, we've seen how the, the scene has changed over the years as well. You know, when the internet kicked in and then the whole downloading thing kicked in and no one was buying CDs anymore and stuff, it's, it's just been, you know, I think about it sometimes. It's, it's unbelievable how things have changed from when we first started. Uh, and and change really quickly, like just in in the last you know five or six years, you know, it's it's yeah. different again. It's just it's uh, it's really it's such a different playing field to to even just a few years ago, and it continues to change. I mean, you know, something six months ago is you know, or a, a certain approach or method or way people enjoy music is you know changes every few months, and you got to you know, well, it's up to it's up to the individual as to whether you want to keep trying to chase that or you keep just doing your own thing and. It's just, uh, yeah. it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's yeah, always something. Got, yeah, you got to move with the time. I mean, going back to what we're talking about playing live. I mean, I, I was watching the uh, the uh, live Emperor stream the other night. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be the way that the things are going to happen for you because who knows what's going to happen with this COVID thing and when things are going to open up. So it, it could be a way of, um, it could be the future. Whereas. Where they're having, I even watched a a creator thing uh, not that long ago. They were playing live with a um, with a fake audience. <laughs> I've seen that. It's uh, I think it was like a uh, like a Varkin thing, and they had like a fake audience there and stuff. It, it was just bizarre to see. So, but well, the way the times are, that could be the way things could be going. So you know, we could be not playing the crowds anymore and just going into a studio or you know to a stage and and streaming it, which probably isn't a bad thing because you're reaching out to a lot more people overseas as well, especially for us in the, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I say, things are just changing. When, when was the last time one of the big festivals happened overseas? It's been a couple of years now. 
Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm seeing it all the time. I'm seeing I'm seeing these bands like just they're trying to find new ways just to keep it moving and, and keep you know, keep the attention there and keep people paying like yeah, paying attention to what they're doing. And I remember yeah. I remember years ago, I think uh, Tim was certainly talking about it, and I remember the the Tabra guys down in Tassie, and and yep. you know the, the early days of like Twitch gaming and things like that, and and you know there's a lot of discussions around why why don't you set up in a studio, have all like in a empty venue, and have all the production that you've always wanted to have, like you know the big stacks, the big lights, you know get some get a license for some pyros and things like that, and yep. just put on a show and film it and. And then stream it or put it online, and so that's that's your show. And this was yeah. before this was before COVID, but I mean, obviously, no one no one really followed through with it until it became a necessity for a lot of bands. When suddenly they went, well, we've got no choice now; we've got to, got to start doing it. So it's yeah. it's 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 interesting to see bands do it, and I think some bands have done a really good job. Other bands, not so much. I think I saw, um, I think Destructions just announced uh, some kind of uh, live release, and I'm pretty sure they're playing in an empty venue. Um, okay. and, and doing a, a full set and they've got all the pyros and everything going and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, like it's, it's, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a short term thing. Maybe it's just for the next, you know, a couple of years and, until everything goes back to normal, or maybe this just becomes a standard thing that a lot of bands start to do in, you know, in their careers. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, let's take the emperor thing, for example, like I mentioned before, um, if they were playing in Europe at one of the festivals, then they'd have, you know, I think it op- one one thing that it probably does is opens a lot more doors to people overseas to get to see the band play live. Mm. I'm not saying live like in your face, but they're playing live on stage. If you know what I mean, yeah. Without, you know, it's not it's not like a, your typical live release where everything's fixed up. This is like raw. They're actually playing. If you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it probably gives you probably some extra revenue which you probably would not have had before. If you know what I mean, yeah, because not everyone's going to fly, let's say, from Australia to go see Emperor play at Varkin, if you know what I'm saying. So in that way, in these times, it probably gives you a little bit of extra revenue, but obviously how many times can you do it, yeah? Well, that's it. You know, you do, you do it the first time and it's a big spectacle and it's a novelty and people really get excited about because they've you know, never experienced something like this before. But, yeah, as you said, like, yeah. you know, you do it again and it might still be exciting, but not as, not as exciting as the first time. And then it just gradually sort of dwindles off over time. And I guess, you know, I've, I've, I've seen people talking about doing shows or I've actually, I think, I think some, some American comedians have, st- have started to do this where they will do like almost like a pay-per-view sort of thing, but it's only yeah. sort of, uh, available for certain markets. And of course, if you've got like a VPN or something like that, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you'll, you'll access it anyway, but it's kind yeah. of a way just to, it's sort of like touring where only certain people have got exposure to what you're doing and you sort of then change the audience over time and, and you, you virtually tour, which, um, is a bit of a, bit of an odd one, but, um, look, I think, I mean, that's kind of like the cool thing at the moment. I mean, it's just exciting to see what people are trying and anything goes, you know, and some stuff just you know, falls on its face and, and just fails miserably and other stuff just yeah. is a success and it's just it's cool to watch watch people experiment. Yeah, yeah, oh hundred percent. Like obviously, you know, the bigger bands can obviously can afford to spend that extra little bit of coin and, you know, have a bit of bigger production than some of the other bands. But um, you know, a lot of people like especially those guys that, you know, just imagine the amount of revenue they've they've lost not being able to tour and stuff and then oh, yeah. you know it just filters right through the people that work behind the scenes and everything. It's just, it's an absolute debacle at the moment, but I think fingers uh, crossed. 
Yeah, I think I think even even if everything went back to normal tomorrow, it's going to take it would take at least a year or two to get back, like to really sort of get back into where we were before and and people sort of fully employed and and sort of catching up with with lost revenue and and time yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So it's um I think it's going to be a very very sort of long dragged out process where the world's going to take take a while to sort of get back on its feet, and then obviously everything else afterwards will. We'll play catch up, but um, but you know, like when when things things go bad or times become tough, then that usually breeds some some real resilience and some character from people, and you see some some brilliant stuff come out of come out of the darkness. So, it yeah, like yeah, people some you know some people are really good at thinking outside you know outside the square and just coming up with different ideas of doing stuff. So in that way, it's sort of, like I said, it's been good but different especially from coming from the generation that we're used to, you know. And I, I like, I'm talking about going over the years and, like, even seeing, especially here in Australia, like, the scene was so much bigger and stronger. There were so many venues we had back in the day, different mm. and really, really good venues to play at and how they've all just sort of dropped off over the years. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, once once there's a bit of confidence to to get out there and, and do relatively normal things again, uh, because I, I could start to see glimpses of it here in Sydney. I think Sydney's, you know, slowly coming back alive again. And Sydney's suffered, yep. you know, for quite quite a few years, even you know, pre-COVID, with uh, yep. a whole a whole range of different things that are sort of closed venues down and and restricted uh, that entertainment aspect of of the city. But um, you know, you start to see little little things coming back to life again, and maybe a, a that whole post-COVID world. People will really appreciate just getting out of the house again and being able to go and see a live band and going yeah. and interacting with people in that social aspect and and that might encourage you know some venues to open their doors again or to go and build a stage in the back of the venue or whatever it might be and uh, and hopefully yeah recreate uh, some of the stuff that we've we've had in the past. Yeah, well that's that's how I sort of look at it as well. I mean, because like I said, we had there was quite a few local shows that popped up. I mean, I know the guys of Black Majesty. Had done a show which was really really good. They, I think they're pretty sure they sold out their capacity. I think it was like 120 or 150 people. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that that's what we, that's what we're all hoping for. Whether it happens or not is another story. I <laughs> that's guess it, that's it. I will tell. That, absolutely. So, I it might be a bit of a silly question, but um, I'm 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 going to try and force you to be a little bit sort of uh, retrospective. But you know, yep. 30 odd years playing music and you know 27 odd years with i fear what you know what are the big life lessons that you've learned like just playing music for that that period of time or or even like thinking of like little young you back in the day versus you now i mean how much have you changed and what sort of things sort of looking back have have you sort of learned as a result of playing music uh that's a tough question actually what have i learned well one thing one thing I've, I've, I've learned to, to appreciate um, is early on when I was writing music, I mean, obviously because, you know, I was very young too at the time, I always used to, when I was writing, it'd be all about uh, what would people like, if you know what I mean, and what's sort, of, what sort of in at the time, especially this was really, really, really early on. And then as time sort of wore on, it was like, okay, well, I'm not enjoying this that much because I'm not doing – exactly the way I want to do it. Mm. And 
just as we sort of started getting sort of serious about I Fear and, you know, we were getting the songs down for it, that's when sort of things sort of just sort of just clicked and I was like – and I was sort of doing stuff where I was writing stuff and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I probably normally wouldn't play this, but this is what I'm actually enjoying. Um, so in that way I've sort of learned that to, to, to last as long as what you have, you have to really enjoy and be um, – 100% committed and believe in what you're doing and enjoy it yourself. Because if you're not enjoying it yourself and you're trying to please everybody else, you're not going to last long. That's mm. that's probably the main thing I've learned this whole time. So that's probably the, the biggest lesson I've learned, not not to follow trends and just do, do what your heart tells you to do and write what your heart tells you to write. Don't write, write music for the sake of playing the in thing at the time. So... That's probably been my biggest lesson over the years, for sure. That's probably that's probably helps you in outside of music as well, like sort of just having that sort of, you know, the that dedication to something or, or being true to yourself, you know, not 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 sort of being swayed by by what other people might tell you to do or, or feel that you should be doing. Sort of just making sure that you know your values are always in check, and and you know if it makes sense to you, then then you can you can do it with confidence rather than yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And, if you don't, if, and the other thing is if, if you're not going to believe in what you do, you, you're not going to get to where you want to get to and you're not going to enjoy it. And, that's the, and that's, the, that's the other thing. If you're not, not going to enjoy it, you're not going to last long yeah. because you're going to enjoy doing something that, that they're not enjoying doing. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that, that's probably been my biggest life lesson through the whole music thing. And, and sort of um, working, working as a team is another, is another thing. You know, not being um, so narrow-minded and letting other people have their say, probably stuff like that as well has helped over the years too. It's been really, really good. Yeah. That's that, they've been sort of my lessons, life lessons in uh, in regards to music. I love it. I love it. I think it's just I've been harping on about this quite a bit recently with with different musos and mates because I think when we talk about like being in a band, we just yeah, you, know, you just think about oh well, you. You write some tunes, you record them, you get out there, you play a few shows, and and that's more or less what what the whole experience is. But I, I think it's so underrated how many things you learn sort of indirectly over the years, subconsciously, like just out of you know dealing with people, you know, interacting yeah. with people, building your own confidence in your character as a person, and you know, um, building respect with other people and relationships, and and as, yeah. as you said, like teamwork and being tr- true to yourself and always sort of. Um, yeah, not not sort of giving in to, to things that might not make a hundred percent sense to you. So I, yeah. I love I love that kind of stuff because I don't think it gets talked talked about enough. Yeah, I don't think it does either, to be honest with you. And you know, and probably another thing I probably should have mentioned as well is, um, you know, learning through the years just to think a little bit outside the box. Like for example, when we did uh, when we were recording uh, Nine Elements of Indivision, which was our first release to be signed. Mm. Um, at the time, not many bands would do well, – I couldn't even tell you if there was any bands. There probably would have been, but um, there wouldn't have been many at all. But I think we were probably one of the first bands to open the door as in regards to working with overseas producers and getting it mixed overseas. Yep. There wasn't many bands doing that at the time. And when I actually mentioned that to the guys in the band the first time, they were like, oh, what? Who's going to do that? And that's when I emailed uh, – Andy LaRock from King Diamond yeah. out of the blues. And, you know, the rest is history. I mean, he 
mixed and recorded the first – oh, not recorded, sorry. He mixed and produced, helped produce and mastered the first two releases and, you know, played a couple of leads on the second one and we've remained in contact ever since. So, um, yeah, thinking a little bit outside the box too and sort of, you know, trying to find different avenues to do different things because also the other thing that, the other thing it did at the time was us being from Australia – and having Andy's name on it with the overseas, it created a lot of interest overseas yeah, because, yeah. well, why is Andy working with these guys, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, thinking outside the square and thinking a little bit differently, that's another thing as well I should add. Yeah, you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I guess it's kind of like what we were saying before with what we're seeing bands starting to do now with, you know, doing this stuff online, these streaming streaming shows. It's just it's a willingness to sort of go, well, let's let's tweak it a little bit let's just try we don't have to do something completely different or drastically different yeah. but let's just be open-minded and and see if it works and if it if it doesn't work then that's okay at least we know we've we've tried it um but if yeah. it does then you know bonus extra excellent so um yeah it's that's a, that's a great thing that i think um and i think a lot of bands like who do really well and and have some success over the years um you know if they look back they probably see that they've they have tried new things along the way that have actually helped them sort of go in a go in a new direction that's that's you know uh given them a degree of success yeah 100 percent, 100 because yeah i mean you've got to do something a little bit different this i mean the the scene is just flooded with bands at the moment like there's that many bands so mm. you've got to sort of think a little bit left field to get a little bit of you know even that little one percent little bit of different you know exposure or you know to introducing to the band to somebody different anything that will give you that little bit of edge if, if your heart tells you to do it do it love it love it mate well um i'm gonna i'm gonna put some links in so people can discover i fear if they haven't already um and obviously you know, anybody that uh, has been following the band for a while i'll make sure that everything's in there so they can reconnect and reminisce and and enjoy enjoy everything that's been out there so far and and make sure that they're keeping up to date with uh, with what's happening in in your neck of the woods. And I think, um, at least from my end, mate, I can't I can't wait for whatever the hell you guys are working on, and when it eventually comes out. Because as I said, like when I saw you guys live last, you could you could see glimpses of what what potentially is is to come, and it's just it's exciting. And and I and I think just also just given how long you guys have been doing it for, it's just. It's all going to come in due time, and I think when it does come, it's just going to be absolutely fantastic. So uh, I can't wait, mate. Thanks, bud. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, look, we're, we're super, super excited about the whole thing. Um, the songs, I mean, everybody says, you know, these are the best songs I've written, but you know what? It's, um, yeah, like the whole thing's been um, very refreshing, obviously with the introduction of Rick. And his ideas and stuff. So we're super, super pumped to get this out. We've been pretty quiet on the social media front, but expect a lot of uh, announcements and news and stuff in the next few weeks. Okay, friends. Now, I'm going to dump all the links in the show notes over at andysocial.net and andydowling.net. And of course, I always say it, but also in the description of wherever the hell you listen to this podcast right now. It could be YouTube, it could be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever. I don't care. There should be a bunch of clickable links in the description. So click through to iFear, to Costa, follow them on the socials, reach out to Costa, let him know what you thought of this episode and, and iFear. Definitely reconnect or connect with the back catalog. There's so many great tunes from over the years. And I know I mentioned a couple of times in the episode, but I'm going to say it one more time. 
Man, they sounded good when I last saw them. When I saw them in 2019 in Melbourne with Rick on vocals, uh, just like a breath of fresh air, uh, just the energy from that band and and Rick singing the songs and hearing a taste of what's to come. I mean, man, if if this next release is anything like what I saw live, I think they're onto something really special. I think this next release is going to be really special for the band. So go and make sure you're following all the social media pages for I Fear and wait for those announcements as they as they roll out over the coming weeks and months. And uh, let's let's help them make it a big one. It's been uh, it's been a few years between releases, so it'd be great to really see I Fear have a really really successful release with uh, with whatever's uh, coming on the horizon from from their camp. But uh, Cost is an absolute legend and stoked to finally, after so many years, get him on the podcast and, and have a bit of a chinwag. So so there we go. Get behind Costa and the and the the legends in I Fear. So before we wrap it up, of course, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. Best way to support this podcast. We all know that. And uh, I'm trying to get as many $1 supporters uh, in 2021. $1 a month. That's it. Now, at the moment, you don't get anything for it. You get a warm and fuzzy feeling. You feel good. You're supporting the scene. You're backing your mate, Andy. But soon enough, stay tuned. You'll start to get you'll start to get some stuff. So, sign up for the one dollar thing. It's it's virtually nothing. It's hardly anything. But when a lot of you guys sign up, it makes a massive difference. Uh, even just to keep me motivated and to get the acknowledgements goes a hell of a long way. In addition to helping uh, ease the the financial commitments of running a podcast. Um, and it keeps me sort of focused on having these great chats, like with Costa. It was just uh, great to to not have to stress about, uh, you know, the costs of production and hosting and gear and getting around town and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, it's just good to, to have one less thing that I need to worry about because of the legends over at Patreon. So in particular, I have to thank my top tier supporters. These guys are my uh, in my top two tiers over at Patreon. These guys are the heavy lifters, the 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 main main contributors um, over at Patreon that help me uh, you know lift the pressure of of all the financial commitments of running a podcast. So thank you so much to Andrew from Perth, Mick G from Sydney, Ash from Dunedin, Dan from Dapto, Rod from Rayleigh in North Carolina, Patrick from Canberra, Liam from Brisbane, Chris from Sydney, Brendo from Leeton, Tim from Canberra, James from Brisbane, Christian from Canberra, Steve from the Gold Coast, and Andrew from Sydney. Thank you very much, guys. And these legends are part of the wider community of just absolutely awesome, supporting, supportive, just good people, legends over at Patreon. And I was trying not to say legends too many times, but why not? If if it if it's call for it, you need to say it. They're just legends. Everyone's a legend. So patreon.com slash Andy Dowling, uh, it just, it means a hell of a lot if you, if you sign up. And uh, as I said, $1 supporters is the goal for this year. Get as many of you guys on board as possible and uh, we'll take it from there. But uh Guys, until next episode, take care. Keep spreading these episodes around. Dig into the back catalogue. Say hi to all the guests and all that sort of stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Take care and ta-ta. Larry. Larry, please.